The Real Estate Sessions is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising brilliantly simple. Choose your zip code and build your brand. Enter an address and promote your listings. Or upload your list and stay top of mind with your sphere of influence. And if you go to adworks.com slash billrisser, you'll do more than just build brand awareness or nurture your network. Right now, you get to save 15% off your purchase, and I get to send 10% to the Colon Cancer Alliance, an organization that means a great deal to me. That's adworks.com slash billrisser. But I would say that that, that Inman Connect is such an appropriate name because the event really brings people together from lots of different places. And it's, they've, they've done a very good job of fostering a community of people that are willing to, to share and give back to each other. And Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 92 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. And I can't thank you enough for finding this little corner of the internet and, and more importantly, sharing it with others as we continue to get more listeners. It's really a lot of fun. I'm just, I'm having a blast finding things out about people. And it's kind of cool that other people are along for the ride and listening. So once again, thank you so much. And I really believe that the industry itself does an amazing job of sharing amongst themselves. And today's guest has been doing this for a long time. So today we're going to chat with Ginger Wilcox. She's Chief Marketing and Industry Officer with Cindio, um, a, a company that I actually got a chance to kind of hang out with up in Inman a few, a couple of years ago. And so it's going to be exciting to find out where they've gone since then. And, and I've known Ginger probably 10 years through the social channels and had the opportunity to meet her in person at a couple of different Inman events. And so I, I always like finding out more about these connections I've made online. And so Ginger, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Bill. Very excited to be here. It's it's uh, it's always great to connect with people from from my my home home area as well, Arizona. Oh, we're gonna start there. You know it. So, I, <laughs> you know, I, I was born and raised in San Diego, but then my wife and I relocated to Phoenix in 1999. We spent 17 years there. Loved living uh, in the Southeast Valley of of the Phoenix area. And I know that you, I'm, I'm going I'm to guess, were you born there as well? I know you. a lot of your childhood was there, but were you born in Arizona? I was. I was born at Desert Samaritan Hospital in, in Mesa. I had some surgery there one time. I know exactly what you're talking about. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's just bore the listeners. Right off the 60, right? Kind of a Dobson in the 60? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of that, you're a, a Dobson High Mustang. So, you know, go Mustangs. I'm sure that's fun to hear because you probably don't hear that very much up in Northern California. Tell no. us, yeah, tell us about growing up, what it was like for you growing up in Arizona. Cause it's, it's changed over the years. That's for sure. So we're talking about, you know, you're kind of going through the eighties, you know, as a child. So talk about that. Yeah. So, so as I mentioned, I was born in, in Mesa and at the time Mesa was really far out. It was, it was a kind of in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, my parents ended up buying a house in Dobson Ranch, which now today, when I go back and visit, I'm totally floored. I don't know where I'm going because everything everything is so different now. But grew up in, in Mesa, went to school at Dobson High, so I was a Mustang, um, and and kind of spent most of my, my growing up years in that area. My mom was in real estate, so I got to work with my mom in many real estate offices throughout high school. My first job was actually working in my mom's real estate office. It seems like a long time ago, but um, I, I had a great childhood growing up in, in the East Valley of Arizona. And so you were, since born into it, the summertime heat was not a big deal for you. It was just a way of life, right? 
Oh, no, it certainly was a big deal. <laughs> 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 Thank you. Even growing up in it, you know, I, I do miss the heat sometimes, but um, the I, I appreciated the winters far more than the summer. Right. You You mentioned that you remember being a very young child and helping your mom deliver flyers. And so, so you really had the whole real estate thing uh, in your blood, right? Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, I always tell people that, that every conversation throughout all of my growing up years, I'm super close to my family and we would do family dinners on Sundays and with my grandparents included. And it was always around real estate because my grandfather actually got into real estate first after moving to Arizona. He became a builder and, uh, you know, built subdivisions. Actually, uh, Prescott Valley, Arizona would be one that, that you might know of, um, which was a, a, where he was, he was very active. So we were always involved in real estate in some way, shape or, or form. And early on, my mom had me delivering flyers and she would put me in pigtails and she'd have me go up to the door and people would open the door because of my little pigtails. And uh, unfortunately, I haven't been able to get my kids to do anything like that. <laughs> right. You can go about two ways with this coming, growing up in that, in that, um, you know, with such a family so ingrained into the real estate world, you know, it goes two different ways. One is you're like, I'm never going to work in real estate or it's like, you know what? I like what's going on here. Uh, I think I want to do the same. So, when you're in high school, what was your thought process? Were you thinking, wow, I like the, 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 what, what my family's been able to do here. Let's continue it. Or I'm doing something else. Uh, absolutely wanted to do something completely different and um, really wasn't thinking I wanted to be involved in real estate at, at all, actually. I went down the path. I studied uh, economics, public relations, political science, and I thought that I wanted to be either a television reporter or a diplomat. And uh you know, somehow I've managed to be able to combine kind of all of that plus real estate into one one job, which is pretty exciting. But I had zero interest in continuing in the family business. It took a lot of strong arming to, to kind of get me into that side. Yeah, you talk you talk about diplomat. I don't think about that very much in our world, but boy, you have to have a lot of that in you, especially you know if you're in startups and doing things like you're doing, right? Yeah, you know, part of my part of my role, I, I, I had a partnership. And so if you think about whether you're working with a partner, you're working with an employee, uh, it's all about how you negotiate, how you're able to create relationships. And so I think some of that has been really helpful. We can't uh, we can't finish off the Arizona years without talking about the fact that of the three major you know, universities in the state, you attended two of them. So. You're a, <laughs> you're a lumberjack and a sun devil, and we won't talk about the school down south. Um, but they are, <laughs> they are two completely different campuses. For those that don't really know the area, kind of lay out the difference between NAU and ASU for, for them. You know, I think I probably now, like looking back, I probably didn't necessarily make the right choice. But um, I, was, I was definitely not a wild cat fan when I was looking at, at schools. And I was fortunate to have a full ride scholarship to a, a, any of the Arizona schools. And so for me, it was really about, about which one was furthest away from my family at that point in time, to be honest. Right. And, and, also, and also a little bit to get away from the heat. And I didn't really realize what that meant. So NAU is very small and it's, it's a mountain town. And for people who don't know Arizona, everybody thinks it's all cactus and, and desert and, and NAU is definitely not like that at all. Very different vibe. Um, and uh, it was great. I absolutely loved it. I met some of my very best friends that I'm still friends with today in going to school there. But I very quickly realized I was not a cold weather person. And um, after my, I, I was there uh, a little bit over a year and then I wrecked my car in the winter. And that 
that accident actually really was the catalyst for me to move to Arizona State because I was ready to come back to the valley, be in the sun, and and do something a little bit different. But Arizona State's huge. It's a huge. It's and it's grown so much even since since I've been there. Split of split of across multiple campuses, but a very different vibe uh, than than Flagstaff. Yeah, that's true. A lot lot different. And uh, Flag's a great little town to get away to in the summertime. But yeah, if you're not a snow person, you don't want to be there in the winter, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, what what was your first job out of college then? So that, it's a great question, and it's actually sort of an interesting story because I was studying broadcast journalism, and as I mentioned, my, I had a minor in political science, and I wanted to be a television reporter, and I was doing intern, internships and had a job offer to to be a, a reporter. And my grandfather came to me and said, "You're not going to make any money. You're actually going to be living in poverty, and you should come join the family business and get into real estate." And I kind of hemmed and hawed and said, no, I'm not going to do that. But when push came to shove and I looked at what I was, was going to get paid uh, and having to move, you know, move down to the border uh, of Arizona, I decided, you know, maybe I should try this. And so I actually became a real estate agent. Uh, I had earned my license while I was still finishing college. So it was a pretty natural and easy fit. My mom was a top producing agent with a Remax office there in Tempe, Arizona, and uh, I quickly realized that I was not very good at being in her shadow, and I wanted to make my own success. And so I transitioned fairly quickly out of that and ended up in communications, which is how I ended up in California. And when you first get to California, were you right up into the Bay Area? Is that where you first, uh, where, where that this little career path took you? Yeah, so I was working for a small little uh, wireless company that was based in in Scottsdale, and we were acquired by WorldCom, a big, big corporation. And the, um, the person who was leading our division was based in California. And I had come to him and I said, hey, you know, I'm really enjoying working here and maybe I'll look for a job and move to California. And he said, I've been thinking the same thing. Let's move you. And I moved four months later uh, with a job here. And it was just completely different than anything I could have ever imagined. But I lived, moved right directly into downtown San Francisco completely new experience and um, haven't really, have never really thought about living anywhere else. I've just loved it since I've been here. There had to be some adjustments to that. First of all, San Fran, you know, Phoenix has a downtown, kind of. <laughs> it's nothing at all like San Francisco, <laughs> right? Talk about that. I mean, you know, here you are, you're probably in your mid-20s and coming into this big city that had to be, there had to be some, some adjustments going on there. Yeah, so I think I was 22, so I was young. Um, and the day the day that I moved here, I'll never forget because it was um, the it was the night before the Diamondbacks Stadium had opened, and I my parents had bought season tickets for the Diamondbacks, and so I got the the opening game there. And the next morning, I drove to San Francisco with my father, and I dropped him off at the airport. He didn't even drive into the city with me, and so I was there. I was driving into San Francisco and one way streets and. Yeah, in Arizona, you don't learn how to parallel park when you're taking your driver's test because there's big parking lots and big streets and you don't have that, that kind of San Francisco dynamic. So probably the biggest thing for me was trying to figure out where I was going and parking. I used to have to have some of my girlfriends park my car because I couldn't figure out how to parallel park. Um, you've got that figured out now? Yeah, yeah, right. I can do it quite well now. I'm a fast learner. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, what you're you're with this company with WorldCom up there? How long were you with them? What were you know? Because eventually we got to get you to to the real estate space again. So, how does that transition happen? 
Yeah. So sort of an interesting path, actually. I worked for WorldCom and then I, um, you know, some, 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 some changes were happening within WorldCom and I knew it was time for me to move on. And so I went to work for a startup that eventually got acquired by Siebel Systems and then, or, uh, then Oracle. So I had kind of an interesting path really focused on, on the, the startup space and the tech space in the Valley at the time was working a lot with teams that were outside the Bay area was traveling and I got pregnant with my daughter and kind of, you know, the, a little bit of that story. I thought I would take a year off before I went back to my corporate job. And during that time I was bored and thought, Oh, maybe I'll get my real estate license on the side. And that ended up being a many, many year process. I, I sold real estate in Marin County for, for a number of years, but I think that my marketing background really served me well because I very quickly figured out that I could drive leads and, and do things where I wouldn't actually have to, uh, to, to work directly with the customers. And so I was one of the early adopters of starting to think about how to build teams uh, in, in the space. And it was a really interesting time. And it was, it was amazing as I was, as I was transitioning out of the, the corporate world to do something like that. Right. And so this has to be the time then that you somehow you get to meet the wonderful Bill Lublin. And, and so talk about that because I think you, didn't you work with Bill on the EPRO certification for NAR? Yeah, yeah, I did. So, uh, I, in 2000 and I guess it was probably 2007 as technology was exploding in real estate, I started to get paying attention to what other people were doing nationally and trying to understand how they were using social media and it started to meet a group of people. I didn't actually meet Bill until after the, the first Ari Bar Camp. And um, I met him, I engaged with him in a number of different things, but it wasn't actually for another probably year after that, that we, Bill and I connected on a little bit of a different level because we were both trying to do some of the same things. Uh, he, was, he was really focused on how can technology change the real estate space. He's always been at the forefront of what's kind of happening and changes in real estate. And at the same time, I was, I was also being asked to speak on a lot of the same topics as, as he was. He had partnered up with Jeff Turner, who I knew well. And on the same sort of time frame, we, we both announced separate businesses. And as we did that, we realized, well, there's no sense in doing this separately. Maybe we should combine them together. And so that's, what, that's how uh, we came together with SMMI and ultimately NAR got interested in what we were building. We had built a, a social media certification program for not just real estate agents, but we were also working with some other entities outside the real estate space. And NAR thought it was interesting, and they they brought us on board to be able to rewrite the EPRO course, which had had been done about 10 years earlier, but it needed to be updated for sort of the modern kind of social um, environment. Yeah, I can't even imagine what websites were like 10 years earlier. <laughs> in that time, <laughs> yeah, there were probably a lot of. I'm sure you can still find some of the same ones. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> um, yeah. So let, you know, you mentioned Ari Barkamp. Let's bring that up. You're you're married to Andy Kaufman, who it was Andy, and I'm I feel so bad. I forget a couple of the other guys' names who had this idea. You know that before an Inman conference, let's let's have our own little bar camp like the other techie people are doing, but it's just for realtors. Um, and I know a few people that were there at that first one. Sounds like you were. Tell me about that whole thing. And and, um, and also while we're at it, you know, talk about meeting Andy, too. 
Yeah, so that's a it's a it's an interesting story, and I don't think a lot of people know how that all came about. We would not be together, I guess, if it wasn't for that RA bar camp. Although that it it, it took us a little bit of time. I met Andy through he was one of the few real estate bloggers in the Bay Area uh, in 2007, and so I reached out to him and I said, Hey, you know, I'm interested in what you're doing. We met for we met for lunch and. He is, for those of you who know Andy, he's a pretty shy kind of guy and he didn't have, he was, he was pretty quiet during our lunch. And I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. But a few months later, he had announced this RA bar camp and I thought, oh, that looks interesting. And he was asking for volunteers and I said, I would write a press release for it. Um, obviously my communications background. So I volunteered to write a press release and uh, the the event happened, the RE Bar Camp happened, which was fantastic. Um, I would actually say that that RE Bar Camp in many ways really changed my life um, from from a number of different levels. Some uh, met some of my very best friends, met some of my mentors who have helped me in my business today. Uh, connected with Andy, although we didn't we didn't actually start dating for about six months after that. Uh, he. He eventually, I call it, I tell people he tricked me into dating him because I, I thought we were meeting up for a, a group of people and it ended up being a date about six months after that RA bar camp. Ah, nice strategy. That's good. <laughs> yes, yes. So he's, he's quiet and he's tricky. Um, and we uh, will be celebrating our third uh, wedding anniversary of the summer. <laughs> That's great. I'm guessing, you know, you're all of these people that got together at that first bar camp. And it, I know Inman noticed right away. Um, and Let's talk for a second about just, you know, you've been a part of the Inman Connect scene in one way or another for a long time. Um, talk about the importance of, of what Inman did for you at these events and how it helped you, uh, you know, develop, how it helped you connect with people. Because I'm guessing, you know, as we start going a little deeper into your career, that a lot of those connections were formed and started at probably an Inman conference, right? Uh, for sure. Uh, and I would say sort of a combination of that first Ari Bar Camp which I'm not sure I would have gone to my first Inman had it not have been for the, the bar camp. It, it was all in one event for, for me as I look back. But I met so many people on that day that now to think about their role in my life is, is pretty incredible. So obviously Andy is, is one component of that. Uh, people like Todd Carpenter, Heather Elias, Mike Simonson, who Mike has been just a tremendous mentor to me. And in many ways, I would say Mike is probably responsible for, he's definitely responsible for getting me into, into Trulia, which is sort of an interesting story in and of itself. But I would say that, that, that Inman Connect is such an appropriate name because the event really brings people together from lots of different places. And it's, they've, they've done a very good job of fostering a community of people that are willing to, to share and give back to each other. And just as you said, when you started this, this podcast earlier, that I look forward to that event. I, I don't know if I've missed one since that very first one. I, I always go to both the San Francisco and the New York event. And for me, it's a, it's a time to connect with friends, but it's also a time to talk about business ideas and strategies and, and personal growth. That's been really helpful for me in my career. You mentioned Trulia. Let's talk about that because, um, you know, when Trulia and Zillow were going head to head and boy, were they ever, you joined uh, Trulia's team. I think, once again, you know, your communications background was part of the reason for that because your job, if I got this right, was, you know, kind of client acquisition. And, and since you had that SMMI background, it was also in training. Am I, do I have that kind of right? Let's, let's get the Trulia story. 
Yeah, so truly at the time when when I was talking to them, they were they had been approaching both consumer and agent in sort of one bucket and they were looking to expand beyond that. And and as they were starting to sell services to agents, they were really struggling because a lot of agents didn't understand technology at all. And they started to pay attention because of some of the the you know, the RE bar camps were starting to to generate traction. There was a lot of training initiatives for agents who were starting to understand how to use new technologies in their business. And it just uh, it just seemed to to make sense. They were looking for somebody who could help drive agent engagement and using training as as one strategy to be able to to do that. So I was brought in to and, and Mike was really instrumental. And Mike Simonson, as I mentioned, who's who's one of my mentors, was instrumental in in bringing me into that role where I was able to help truly build out an agent engagement strategy that was really heavily focused on thinking about how do we leverage social media? How do we train agents? How do we help them get comfortable with technology so that they'll adopt the, the tools and services that truly are provided? I dabble in that <laughs> in my role with Fidelity, trying to help agents be right. smarter with technology. Yeah, it, it can be tough. It can be difficult. Um, talk about some of the challenges you faced trying to uh, reach that ultimate goal of getting getting agents comfortable with technology, comfortable enough that they could then utilize the services of Trulia, you know, to help their business. You know, I think that in many ways we were, we were lucky because of the timing of when we launched that program because people, just agents were really excited about the offerings that we had. And we were, we were doing webinar trainings. We were doing live trainings. Uh, very, very quickly, we built out a content platform that was uh, educating agents on not only just Trulia's tools and services, but just more broadly helping them understand understand technology. I would say that piece was actually probably the easiest <laughs> of my role at Trulia mm-hmm. over the years um, because there was just a hunger and a need for the type of, of information that, that we had. So it was exciting. We When I started Looking back, it was it's pretty incredible. I think my my annual budget uh, when I started it there was like five thousand dollars for the year. It was something really really small, but it changed pretty quickly as we started to realize that we could really drive traction through some of the channels that we were focused on. The merger occurs, and you're still with Trulia. And how long were you there um, post you know the merger with Zillow and Trulia? Were you, you were there for quite a while, if I if I've got that right. No, so I actually I, I was at Trulia for um, just about four years, and during that time, I started out on the agent side. Then I took on overall sort of industry um, marketing and relations. So I was working with the brokerage and franchise community, and then had a uh, I didn't know it was an opportunity at the time. I don't think, but I was I was asked to tackle some of the challenges that we were having with data quality and try to figure out how to better work with both the brokerage and MLS community to be able to figure out how to fix that, which is a really interesting problem that I got to work on. But I kind of had worked through the different channels there, and I was starting to think that I wanted to do something that was more consumer-oriented because I was on the, 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 the B2B side of the business. wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, and um, one of the, the product managers who I'd worked with at Truly had reached out to me and said, hey, we're doing this thing in mortgage, and we could really use your advice come check it out, uh, which is um, was right around the time that the Zillow acquisition was happening. Okay, so my timing's off a little bit. So that's when Cindio reaches out to you. And uh, I, as I mentioned earlier, I, 
I met a couple of guys at a, Cindio had a tiny little booth. I think it was their first year at Inman. It wasn't very big. And, and they were convinced they had this way to simplify the mortgage process. And it was very interesting. And then I see in the, uh, I see in the, the headlines and the releases and things that Ginger Wilcox is now at Cindio. That was very interesting to me. So how did that, how did that all come to be? That's a great question. So um, as I mentioned, the, the team had reached out to me and, and they were, they were looking for some advice and, and I really was solely thinking I was helping out a, a past colleague when I came in and, and started to meet the team. And I met our founders who you probably met one of them at that booth on that day that you were there. That was, that was right around the time that I, I started to have conversations with them. They're just such a great people. Um, our, our founders are great people. They're trying to solve a really difficult problem. And mortgage was something that was not, not at all in my sort of line of sight of things I was thinking about doing. But as I started to talk about the challenges, it was really obvious to me that it was an area of big opportunity because obviously coming from a real estate family, I've heard about every mortgage transaction that didn't work well uh, growing up from my mother. Uh, and I had just bought another house about a year before this, and it was a terrible, terrible process for me. Um, had worked with somebody who I'd referred clients to in the past, and um, the, the entire home buying experience was just not great. And and I knew that there was there had to be an easier way uh, to be able to do it. And and so the challenge of mortgage was really intriguing to me. I wanted to do something big. I wanted to solve a real consumer problem. And and so that's how I ended up at Cindio. This was pre-CFPB, right? <laughs> Pre-TRID, I'll call it. It's pre-TRID, but CFPB was in place when when I joined. Right. And, so yeah, they started uh, in eleven. So they're they're ramping up their their processes. Which radically changed things for for lenders. How did how did Cindio handle that kind of wrinkle that was thrown their way? Well, uh, I would say we're fortunate, and this is probably part of the reason why I ended up here. Uh, Nick, who's our CEO, is um, definitely forward thinking, and as he was starting to build this business, he knew that there would be a couple of challenges uh, that he needed to think about, and one of them was how do we solve the legal compliance challenges. Because obviously, it's not just about making sure you stay out of trouble, but how much is that going to cost? Compliance is a huge line item in terms of your, your, your bottom line. And so his number, I think it was number three hire, before the company was ever launched, before there was a loan officer uh, within the company, he hired our general counsel, who was the first uh, enforcement attorney at the CFPB, uh, which was incredibly um, smart on, on Nick's part to bring him in and our business was really built with the the CFPB's, I don't know if I would say, I would say with the CFPB in mind, thinking about how do we make sure that we're building a company that's consumer friendly, that doesn't violate any sort of rules and regulations, and that, that puts the consumer first. So while a lot of people were really scrambling around TRID, around thinking about uh, compliance issues, we certainly have to think about them and we, we put a lot of attention there. We think about it in a different way because we have that insight that comes from Joby's expertise as, as being in the CFPB. Yeah, you, you weren't retrofitting to, to take the existing infrastructure that you had and try to make it fit into this new world. It was kind of built with it in mind. That's that's That makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, you know, when everybody else was worried about how are they going to be able to issue uh, things like the, you know, the the closing disclosure and the right time frames, we we just we we built it. We didn't have the we didn't have to steer the cruise ship a different direction. We just built a new boat. Right. 
Tell me, what do you do day to day at Cyndia? What's what's a day in the life of Ginger Wilcox? <laughs> That's a great question. You should ask ask one of my team members, and they might give you a different story. Um, you know, we're a, we're a startup, which means that my day is completely different every single day. And uh, well, as you can probably tell on this podcast, I talk really fast, so I'm oftentimes running through the office. Um, one of my uh, one of my colleagues calls me the Energizer Bunny because I'm always on the move, but. You know, I think that I'm fortunate because I get to do a lot of the things that I've always I've always loved to do. In my day-to-day role, I head up our, our consumer marketing uh, and acquisition efforts. We do a lot of work with partnerships, but I also get to be um, very involved in the real estate side because our real estate uh, partners are, are a huge part of our, our overall strategy. We think they're super important in the mortgage process, which not a lot of, of people working the mortgage side take, to the, I would say, to the level that we do. So, you know, in any given day, I'm, I'm working on strategies to be able to build better products that are going to help real estate agents. I'm thinking about how do we change the consumer experience, make it simpler, whether that's from the front end or whether that's thinking about partnerships on the back end. It's, every day is a little bit different. Well, Ginger, I, I can't thank you enough for your time here. I've had you the half hour that I asked. And so I want to wrap this up with the same question I've asked the previous 90 guests on the podcast. And so it, it is, if, if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent just getting started in the business, what would it be? I would say get a mentor um, to be able to help you in your business and get somebody who has built their business the modern way over the last 10 years or so, because the business today is very, very different than it was the 10 years previous to that. But a lot of people have made a lot of mistakes. There's no reason to have to go make them uh, make them again, learn from what others have done. Ginger, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Ginger W. Uh, or feel free to send me an email. My email, I'll give you my, my Cindio email is ginger.wilcox, W-I-L-C-O-X, at Cindio, S-I-N-D-E-O.com. Ginger, thank you so much for spending a half hour with us here on the Real Estate Sessions. I can't thank you enough. It's great to hear. I just love hearing the stories that came out of San Francisco, you know, around, say, 2007 to 2010 area. And I really appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. Yeah, thanks so much, Bill.